0: We are here with another episode of Decision Lab podcast and today we will be discussing machine learning and artificial intelligence with our new guest. We will try to understand the decision-making process in a machine environment and we will discuss can we really say that machines are intelligent. Let's explore more.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to IYWN Decision Lab Podcast 3. Today, we have with us a new member joining in to reflect upon one of the components of the DS space, that is AI, data, and uh, machine learning aspects. He's a professor Mm -hmm. who teaches on these uh, aspects, and we thought that it would be wonderful for the audience to understand their use in, in our own uh, domain, how these emerging technologies can actually help us in um, solving the environmental complex problems. So, welcome, uh, Professor Anav. Hi. Hi. Thanks, uh, uh,
2: thanks, Neha, for introducing
1: me. Anav, it would be wonderful if uh, we can hear a little bit about your work. And uh, then I would like to ask you, since you um, work in this field, for our listeners who, who may not be familiar, with the concepts of machine learning and AI as to what do they really mean? Can you please uh, demystify these concepts for us, uh, these, these tools and technologies for us a little bit?
2: right so uh, let me just start with my background i am a faculty member and associate professor at iit mdi uh, and uh, <clears throat> basically i have been working in the area of uh, you know ai and applied machine learning in uh, in various domains like vision uh, medical image analysis uh, since about 2004 of course in the last you know 10 15 years machine learning also has evolved and uh, there is no you know proper uh, sort of definition of what encompasses uh, what really encompasses the whole area of machine learning it is it is connected to various other areas. but in the in the very broad sense I mean in terms of the context of decision making that uh, you guys are sort of interested in okay so when, when we are making a decision we are essentially making a, a choice whether to do something or not do something or whether to identify even even subconsciously for example when we are seeing a, when we are seeing a face for example right? Then we are we are essentially making a choice that our brain is subconsciously making a choice that uh, you know whether that face is uh, belonging to a certain person that I know of or whether it is not belonging to a certain person. So it, it all boils down to choices finally, right? Whether it is you know choice about doing something or whether it is just a choice about even perceiving something, right? And that's where you know that is exactly pretty much what machine learning is also doing of course uh, this is grossly simplifying it and my professional experience is about about 10 years and uh, you know i don't really claim to make very very general very very you know high level statements And uh, whatever i'll say is is my own perspective okay so don't consider it as the absolute truth about machine learning but,
0: yeah yeah i know We actually want you to demystify the way you think because uh, what we are trying to do here in the process of uh, talking to many people in different domains, that we want to see how they see things. Tell us more about how you perceive a problem, especially in a natural resource domain and uh, in water domain Mm -hmm. and um, how you see where uh, machine learning can actually augment the decision-making process for us as policymakers or as technical people and that where you see um, human decision-making process I don't know if we can say AI related decision-making process or machine learning decision-making process
2: yeah so uh, as I was mentioning that decision-making is is all about making choices and uh, that is what we do when people started thinking about machine learning back in maybe 50s, 60s or so on. This was the essential idea that, you know, can we we emulate uh, the behavior uh, that a human makes in, of course, in in, in the sense of decision making, can we emulate that behavior on a computer? This evolved in, you know, making games, right? For example, even a game like chess or checkers, contributions of, of AI, so the games, there are more, more sort of intuitive examples of you know, making choices, right? You know, in, in a game, we are very clear about uh, what choice are we making, right? Or what decisions Correct. are we making? Right? So, so that's where sort of things started evolving. And then, uh, you know, in many cases, the the idea of choice is not very clear, right? So for example... You are you are walking and you know suddenly you see a car uh, in front of you and you decide to sidestep right now there also you are actually making a choice but you are not really conscious about it your subconscious is making a choice you know it is making a decision that because there is a car and you, you sort of you have to survive so have, the goal here is survival so you have to you know sidestep so the sidestep is basically a decision and this is a, this is an example which is based on choice. Which is made subconsciously uh, based on your visual input. Hmm. Now, again, generalizing this, this concept that sometimes the choice is conscious and sometimes the choice is inherent, but, but it is all, all decisions. And in this case, you know, so in, in the, in the car example, the goal was perhaps to, to survive, right? That was right. the goal, right? in the chess example the goal is to win right so 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 whatever decision we make that is always you know uh, pointing to either a short term goal or a, or a, or a long term goal right and machine learning essentially learns from this or is is based the whole whole development of machine learning is is inspired by these principles that one is to make a choice and the the second is why we are making a choice that right. is you know that is it is catering to certain certain goal Okay. Right. So now, of course, the the architecture that our brain works on, and that a machine learning system or a computational system works on, is very different. In in early days, for example, these uh, goals, these decisions, or these these methods which were used to make the decision, were rule based. So, for example, if A if A happens, then you decide B. If C happens, then you decide D. Right. So these are rule based. But then, uh, like I said, these are okay for relatively, you know, simple or more deterministic scenarios like playing games. But these kind of rules are not sufficient for, you know, uh, cases wherein you you are actually dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of data, right? So you cannot really, suppose you are exposed to a continuous stream of inputs, say visual, audio, whatever, right? Now, you can't really, you know, have a rule for every second of an input. So that will be too tedious enough for a computer to to compute. Right? So in such cases where you have a lot of data, the machine learning took a different form. Uh, it borrowed a lot of uh, ideas from some statistical learning right? or so statistical data analysis. And instead of coming up with individual rules for individual individual data points, you essentially start treating data points in terms of probability distribution. Say so I want to decide whether it will rain today or not. Now. It's not a very straightforward question to ask you know, whether it will rain or not, that will depend on various factors. But if I, if I sort of break it down in a very, uh, very simple terms. So it depends on factors, which is the more immediate environmental conditions, right? So, you know, what is the cloud cover? What is the temperature? What is the pressure, et cetera, et cetera, which can be measured, right? But again, like I said, there's a lot of data and I cannot have a rule. I cannot have a bunch of rules saying that, Okay, if the cloud cover is uh, so much at you know 2 p.m. and then again if the cloud cover is so much as two uh, quarter to 2 p.m. et cetera et cetera, so I cannot really have you know so many rules. So this this rule based strategy will not work. But instead, what I do is you know I say that okay if I have you know these kind of parameters you know that I have I have I'm measuring certain parameters you know over a certain time, I can collect all these parameters and make a make a you know distribution out of it. Right. So, and this is where you know tools from sort of probability and statistical analysis right. come in. Right? So you you model certain certain parameters as distributions, right? And now you say that, and and this is where this this whole idea of learning comes in. Okay. So you know because you are you're relying on historical data or you're relying on retrospective data, that you know that okay, in a in similar conditions it has rained in the past or in similar condition, it has not rained in the past. Okay, so that is that is what you're relying based on retrospective data. So it's like you're, you're trying to make a what they call a model out of it. Right? So you're, you're basically trying to based on data, you're trying to make a model out of it, that you, you model the data in terms of distribution. And now you know that okay, if the distribution is so and so, the likelihood of raining, again, that, all, that is also in terms of probability. So I will not get into the technical details, but the whole analysis is in terms of probabilities. If, if you see a certain distribution, uh, then if you say that, okay, I want to make a decision on Jan 2nd at this particular time, if that data point lies in some part of the distribution, then the likelihood of raining is so much. And if the data point lies in a, in a different part of the distribution, then the likelihood of rain, raining is so much. And based on that, based on this statistical analysis, if your likelihood is say 0. 0.9, then you'll make a decision that it will rain. Right? But uh, if your likelihood is say, 0.2, then you'll make a decision it will not rain. Right?
1: Yeah And yeah. now I actually I can relate to what yeah. you're saying because uh, uh, as students of hydrology, we are taught mm-hmm. this very similar concept to predict mm-hmm. rainfall events in the future. To see how the the distribution lies for a certain region, and then and then predict. But what I found interesting was earlier when you were uh, making a point about choices and perceptions. We uh, were taught in a in another class on water policy that when Britishers arrived in India, they arrived from a land where rainfall curve is almost parallel to x-axis so rainfall is uh, they receive rainfall throughout the year and when they came to india and then they saw that all of the rainfall happens only in a very limited period of time which is what we call monsoon they thought that oh this is water scarcity for them because the rain is not uh, the water is not available throughout the year in the same fashion so for them the way they didn't couldn't comprehend the variability but they thought yeah, yeah. that uh, a solution for that could be dam again something that you you and even divya was talking about in the previous podcast about long-term short-term aspect they just thought that dam would be the ideal solution for storing all of that water that's what they did
2: yeah. i mean that's a good example of how do how, how do how, how do you use your perception to make decisions so because they had a different perception right. i think they decided to you know make dam sort of
0: right? yeah yeah I know I was uh, I was thinking that when you were talking about you have to pick a choice or uh, make a decision it's actually outcome driven even Mm -hmm. when it comes to machine learning or um, AI per se Mm -hmm. so uh, I want to know if if the outcome or uh, the purpose of the decision is is value driven suppose we are saying that okay well-being has to be the outcome like the well-being of the people around, or the rights like water rights or uh, inclusivity. So, how do you right. see like machines coming in, or uh, the
2: yeah, the data coming in
0: for uh, for that yeah. kind yeah. of uh, you know purpose?
2: Suppose you have a robotic system and you have to take a decision such that uh, the robotic system has to has to do a certain task, so that the output will be measured in terms of say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. So now you know to assign such values to you know such outcomes is easy, and that kind of outcomes are in fact uh, quite common. Uh, however, in terms of say something like well-being, right? Now you have to first because see, because when you are when you are talking of making a machine learning system, uh, you know the system essentially actually has to be made in a, in a mathematical way or a computational way, right? So when you're, when you're talking about assigning values to something, some, some abstract quantities, like say, well-being, then of course that has to come from a certain, you know. I don't know it could be surveys or it could be you know certain historical understanding of what what well-being is and so on so to convert that sort of a subjective or an abstract concept into a value concept if that and that's where the domain comes in see that so i've been talking about machine learning machine learning but uh, you know when you're when you're trying to apply the machine learning to certain certain domain right but when when it when when you're talking about more abstract level quantities like well-being, then then the idea that the domain has to come into the picture. The, this is where the domain knowledge also has to come into the picture, which will now guide the machine learning system uh, to pose this to to uh, to represent this this abstract quantity uh, in terms of objective numbers. Right. So as long as we have that kind of an understanding, yes, the outcome can definitely be value-driven, value but a lot of domain inputs has to come from from, from whichever uh, you know task that we are trying to solve. Okay. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. I mean, I understood that part that, okay, the domain la- knowledge has to come there to establish the, the term itself. What is the outcome when I say well-being? Then yes. we have to establish the term first and what constitutes a well-being and then maybe machine will be able to... Exactly. Uh, right. to protect it or to monitor it or whatever the the task has been assigned and now That's... i have uh, one more question or i would like you uh, to give your perspective when uh, when we see a decision making process um, we have uh, discussed that in our uh, blog as well that we come from data to information then information to knowledge knowledge to wisdom and then wisdom to decision so where do mm-hmm. you see artificial intelligence coming from knowledge or wisdom like do you see that they the machines the data which they process have more wisdom the collaboration of the machine data and no. the intelligence which human have does machine right. really have intelligence like how you define that intelligence part
2: okay so it's it's uh, i would say it's a semi-philosophical question right because you know terms like wisdom and intelligence these are not very well defined, really. Okay, uh, but let me still try to answer the question. It's it's a very interesting question, and and in fact, uh, you know, the current machine learning system, in fact, most of the current machine learning system, are following uh, this this sort of a collaborative approach, really, uh, because the first thing, for example, uh, like I said, any machine learning system, you know, when it is built to serve a particular application, uh, there is a lot of domain knowledge involved in it. So, you know, uh, say, you, uh, even, even starting from the data. So, for example, when you want to curate data to, say, to, to feed it to the machine learning system so that it will learn, like, for example, in the rainfall example, or uh, let me take another example of, uh, say, predicting a certain yield, right? Predicting a certain yield of a crop. And you want to, you know, uh, say, decide on, okay, what are, say, the irrigation interventions or... What could be, you know, say other agricultural interventions, which can, uh, say, they give a good yield of the crop, crop right? And now, now such factors you, you can also relate relate it to well-being, right? Well-being, you know, like I said, you can model well-being in terms of you know economy, in terms of uh, you know other factors. So uh, again, you know, these kind of things you can you can you know uh, you can relate them. Uh, say, in a, in a farming community, for example, if the yield is good. Then the economy will be good, and uh, possibly the well-being will be good, right? right? And it needs a lot of data to learn these prediction models or these uh, decision-making models, as I'd mentioned earlier. Uh, so, you know, even to make the data, for for example, say which data is good or which data is no well not good in the sense that suppose you are you are predicting something, so uh, you will need data. For example, uh, which will which is which which has already, uh, you know, which is already catering to, you know, such predictions or such, uh, such scenarios which have occurred in the past. So we, we call this retrospective data. So in the sense that, uh, you know, suppose you want to say that, okay, I want to record a data for the next one year and then predict or, or this season and then predict the crop yield in the next season. Okay. Now, you know, to, to, for a machine learning model to make such a decision, of course, it will need past data that for such and such cases, we have, we've we've had past data that, you know, based on, uh, you know, at some places, some interventions may have been done. So you have, you know, data for, you know, for a past month for such places, in some cases, some interventions may not have been done. So you have data for, you know, those past cases, and you essentially build a model based on that. Now, you know, now there is this, so this, so this phase in, in more technical terms is called training phase, right? And the intelligence that you're talking about, right? The idea is that the machine learning uh, or the machine learning system uh, gains this so called intelligence in this training phase. Okay, so it, it learns, uh, you know, that a partic- for a particular task, say the prediction task, right? it is learning, you know, how are these different parameters related over time and among themselves, right? And that is, you know, that is what we call, you know, as, you know, gaining experience. Right. so the only difference is the, the time scales are very different that way that's why we don't really term that as experience but it is effectively that, that the, 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 in, the, in the training process based on retrospective data or based on re, you know retrospective scenarios right which have happened in the past the the machine is getting that experience right and this is where uh, you know this term intelligence or wisdom or whatever you want to call it that sort of uh, you know comes in uh, now, when it actually comes to the prediction, you know, as of now, today, uh, you know, so that, so that today, most of the machine learning systems, they do not, they are not learning continuously, okay, so there, there may be some systems in the market, of course, uh, that, that, that are learning more continuously. And this is, in fact, this area is called online learning. Where you, where, you, where you keep on learning continuously. So you, you know that you made a mistake and then you learn from that mistake. So there are, there are areas called reinforcement learning, online learning, active learning. People have been, I mean, these are like more contemporary areas of research, but more traditionally, once the network has learned, once the network has gained experience, you know, or so-called gain in, intelligence, once it is deployed, then we don't really train it again. Typically, right? so then, then, uh, so this is what we call testing phase and uh, the, the, the intelligence that it has gained or the experience that it has gained, that is only, only happening in the training phase. But of course, now people are realizing that that is not enough and, you know, because things are very dynamics and, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and uh, continuous learning mechanisms need to be, you know, in place. So I think to me, that is one of the major differences between uh, human learning and, and, and machine learning that, uh, you know, although at at a particular point, both may be compared in terms of making decisions of a particular task, right. Uh, In fact, in some cases, machine may even outperform human beings because they have they may have access to a lot more memory, a lot more data and so on, right, rather than rather than humans making such prediction tasks, right. But, you know, this, this idea of continuous learning, which requires a lot of resources for the machine, uh, you know, to learn, that is very effortless in terms of human beings. So I think that is one of the, one of the major, major differences. And this is where I think, uh, yeah, one, one collaborative possibility could be coming up. Yeah.
0: That reminds me of uh, one such collaboration between human and machine in the game of uh, chess there are some players which use both human and machine's ability and they they are called centaurs and these centaurs uh, have the capacity to beat even supercomputers at the game of chess so yes we should look forward to human and machine collaborations we have come to an end of today's episode we will continue our talk with professor Arnav In our next podcast, keep listening and keep learning.